Let's pray quick before we jump into this word this morning. Jesus, we thank you again that we can gather. We thank you for your word, and we pray that you would open our hearts uh, to hear and to understand, but also to obey and to be transformed. In your name, amen. Amen. So a few summers ago, my aunt and uncle were moving away, and I was commissioned to move things. And uh, I had to move a couch, a particularly large couch, uh, well-made, which meant heavy, and, of course, this couch lived in the basement. Uh, it just gets worse as the, as the details come, right? It was in the basement, and the, the staircase was really slippery. And, uh, yeah, it's, it's just set up really well, right? So uh, this couch required some mixture of sort of finesse and just brute force to get up the stairs. And we were doing really good. It was me and Dad, and we are doing great. And we got out the front door, and we were turning to, to load it in the truck, and there was a path going from the front door over to the driveway. Uh, and there was just a small little uh, 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 from the sidewalk to the grass. And wouldn't you know it, that's right where I stepped, right? Of course. Right there in the middle. And uh, my ankle just kind of buckled like that. And down I went. But, of course, uh, I had to keep the couch safe. So I went down hard on my side, but I, st I still had the couch. Couch is good, guys. Nick's not good, but the couch was safe. And uh, my ankle was fine. It still, it still hurts from time to time. I still remember. Couch one in the end. Um, it, it's a reminder of sometimes what you're carrying can be dangerous. And I wanted to ask this morning, what are you carrying? What have you brought with you this morning? Some of you are bringing food. Thank you. Appreciate that. I will very much appreciate this later. But what have you brought with you this morning? Sometimes we can bring, if you're here this morning and you're a Christian, you may come with this sense of sort of the joy of knowing Jesus and salvation and, and coming to eat together and to spend time with brothers and sisters in Christ. And whether you're a Christian or not, you may have come just because there's food and that will be good later on. Or whether you're a Christian or not, you may also have come with something really weighing you down. Because just being a Christian doesn't mean everything is always uh, incredibly positive and wonderful. Life is hard, and we go through difficulties. And sometimes we come carrying a real lament in our hearts or a sense of grief or a sense of shame. What are you carrying this morning? Our text describes the priests of Israel carrying the Ark of the Covenant. And as they're coming in with the ark, there's all this celebration and worship going on because it signals the arrival of God's presence with his people. God's presence coming to fill this newly made temple. And we talked last week about who is the God that we serve. Who is this God that in this case Israel worships? And Nate explained last week how in other ancient Near Eastern cultures, they too had their own stories of how the world worked. And often those stories were filled with all sorts of violence and all sorts of uh, chaos with humanity being something like a slave to the gods. And yet in the Bible, in Israel's story, we find the one true God tells us something very different about how the world works that God has established the entire cosmos with his love and with his order, 
not through violence and chaos, but through his grace. And all of creation becomes like his temple. Instead of the pagan temples where you have some kind of building and then you, you set up some sort of idol kind of at the front made of wood or stone, God creates this whole creation as his temple. And then at the point where you would put in the idol, he puts humanity. And he fills humanity with his breath, the spirit of God, and says, this will be my image bearers. Male and female will image me into the world. And Genesis 1 describes that priestly calling, that humanity is, is called to tend and to care for creation and to live out God's character in his temple, loving God and loving others. And that story takes a tragic turn. And we talked a little bit about that last week, that Adam and Eve are led astray and they rebel against God and they're exiled out of Eden. And yet God promises a future descendant who will come and make a way back to God possible. And that promise hangs over Israel's scriptures. As you read the Old Testament, there's this question of when is the royal priest going to come? When is the one who's going to make things right finally arrive? And that promise is passed on to Abraham and his family, which then grows into the nation of Israel, which then goes into slavery, and through Moses is brought back out of slavery into the promised land. And before they get there, they're wandering in the wilderness. They encounter God on Mount Sinai. And when we get to Mount Sinai, we find this priest and temple language used again. God calls Israel to be all of them, not just Moses and not just Aaron, but for all of them to be a kingdom of priests, to be a holy nation, that they have a task to live out for God in the world, just like he commissioned Adam and Eve to be royal priests. That language is picked up again, and God gives them some in specific instructions for building a tent. And the tent, or the tabernacle, is meant to represent something like the Garden of Eden to them, that they that God is making arrangements to point them back to the way in which his presence was with humanity in the garden. And he also calls them to build this ark that we read about this morning, this box, this sacred box that's overlaid with gold, and it's a symbol of God's presence with his people. And it's a reminder of this important truth that we celebrate every Christmas, that God longs to dwell with people. And that truth is still relevant this morning in that God longs to dwell with you. And so in our text today, we get Solomon, who's now building a new permanent temple. And we're at the dedication ceremony, and the ark is being carried in by the priests. And I want to draw your attention just to three things this morning. The ark, the people gathered, and the presence of God. Look again at verse 3, as the ark is being brought in. All the elders of Israel came, and the priests took up the ark. And they brought up the ark of the Lord, the tent of meeting, and all the holy vessels that were in the tent, the priests and the Levites brought them up. There's quite a range of paraphernalia that comes with the tabernacle. This is the highlight of the ceremony, is the ark coming into the temple. They've done a lot of work on the temple. It takes some time to build it. But it's sort of not finished. It's not really complete until the ark comes in. And like I said, the ark is that symbol of God's presence being with his people. It's kind of like um, how my wedding ring is a symbol 
all the time of my being married to Sarah, right? This, I'm married to her whether she's in the room or not, as she walks away with our youngest child. Yeah, we still love you. Love you. But the ring is, is a symbol of that reality that we are married. And in the same way, the ark is the symbol of God's presence to dwell with his people. And so it's really important in the same way that, you know, getting your ring in the wedding ceremony is rather a highlight. Now notice only Yahweh's priests, only God's priests can handle the ark and bring that ark right into the inner sanctuary. Not even the elders of Israel are sort of safe in the proximity of the ark. And you may wonder, well, why is that? Why all of the protocol? And it's an important reminder for the people that God is holy. And his holiness is really good. But he's also all-powerful. And his holiness in that sense is dangerous. I think C.S. Lewis gets it so right when he's describing Aslan, the great lion in the Chronicles of Narnia. And there's often the question, is he good? Well, yes, he's good. Is he safe? No, he's not a tame lion. And a good analogy for God's holiness is to think of the sun. And we were giving this example in chapel uh, at the school at True North downstairs a couple weeks ago with the students. Because without the sun, there's no life on planet Earth, right? The sun is good in that sense. It helps create life. But what happens if you get too close to the sun? You burn up. It's not safe. It's good, but it's dangerous. And the ark is that reminder for Israel that God is good and he is holy. And he wants to meet with them. But because of their sin, they can't just come waltzing into God's presence willy-nilly. They have to account for the deeper reality of their brokenness with God. And so the ark is that reminder for us this morning. Whatever you might be carrying, God does long to dwell with you in the present circumstances of your life with his holiness and with his goodness. But that also means laying down our own sin and inviting him to come and enter into the circumstances of our lives. So that's the first thing is the ark and that reminder of God's presence and his dwelling with us. The second thing is the gathering of the people. If you look again at verse 5, it says, King Solomon and all the congregation of Israel who'd assembled before him. So he's called everybody together. We're with him before the ark. And what are they doing? It's a big barbecue. They're sacrificing So many sheep and oxen, they can't even keep count of it. It's probably a bit intense. Uh, That's a lot. And why are they sacrificing? Well, part of it is thanksgiving unto God, but part of the sacrificial system is also about repenting for your sin and asking for forgiveness. There's a whole range of sacrifices that can be done. But here they are as they're welcoming God's presence into this place. They're engaged in an act of repentance and worship. Because God's presence calls us to respond in some way. As the ark is being brought in and their attentions are turned to God being present and at work in their lives, it causes them to respond. They have to respond. They're made to gather together, but they're also made to confess their sins. And you know, this morning as we've come, we've come some of us have come because there is food. I totally get it. That's that's all right. But we've also come because we want to know and encourage one another and experience God's presence 
in our lives. But that also means that each Sunday we're made aware again of the reality of our sin and the reality of God's grace. And so God calls us to deal with the brokenness in our lives. And we'll get back to that in a second. So first, the ark. Second, the people gather in response. And then finally, we have this pretty dramatic moment where God's presence shows up. Look at verse 10. They get the ark in where they need to put it. And verse 10 says, And when the priest came out of the holy place, a cloud filled the house of the Lord, so that the priest could not stand to minister because of the cloud. For the glory of the Lord filled the house of the Lord. There's this sense that even in the brokenness of this old temple system, which was going to be really turned on its head when Jesus shows up, and we'll talk about that uh, later on in the series, but even here God blesses this temporary shadow of, of the truth. And his presence comes and meets with these people. And it's so strong that the priests can't do their work. And that sense of the cloud of God's presence, of course, points us back to the Exodus when God moves and guides his people with the pillar of, of cloud and the pillar of fire, right? Often the cloud is sort of a symbol of God's holy presence with his people. But in a greater sense, notice it's not like the presence is contained to the ark. In fact, we read in the ark is just the two tablets of stone. And we, we know elsewhere in Scripture there was other stuff in the ark as well. But there's almost this sense here that there isn't really a whole lot in the ark itself, almost pointing us to the fact that in case you get the wrong idea, the ark does not contain God. He doesn't live in this thing, right? He doesn't live in a box. No, all of creation is his temple. And as God's glory descends upon them, there's this sense that uh, all is laid bare before God when he comes. So intense that the priests lose the strength to stand. And so we have the ark and the gathering of people in response to God's presence, and then finally God's presence coming and doing something in the lives of those who are there. What are we supposed to, what are we supposed to learn from all of that? What do we do with that? Well, we've touched on it already, but I think it's just worth driving home this morning, is that God loves us so much that he wants to come and be with us. Even in our brokenness, even in our sinfulness, God loves you, and he wants to be with you. And all of the tabernacle and temple imagery is pointing back to what Adam and Eve experienced with God in Eden. In fact, the priests in the Bible, when they're commissioned for their work of keeping the tabernacle, they're told to tend and keep. And it's the same language that Adam and Eve are given when they're commissioned as priests in Eden, the task of tending and keeping Eden as these gardener priests. And so here in the same way, God is pointing them back to this deep truth that in the end he will make things well. He will come to live with his people. And they can look forward to that future day of restoration. But as they look forward to that day, God's holiness still calls them to be honest about their sin. Why are Adam and Eve sent out of God's presence in Eden in the first place? It's because of their sin. It's because they turn away from God and try to do things on their own. And I think of Romans 3.23, a classic verse that says, All have sinned 
and fallen short of the glory of God. All of us have. And we need to be forgiven. We need our sin pardoned. Think of Solomon and their sacrificing and sacrificing and sacrificing. Hebrews 10 tells us that the repeated animal sacrifices could never take away the depth of the burden of our sin. And that's why this is really a message about the old temple. Not the new temple. That'll come. We have priests at work. We have God's presence. But we're still waiting for someone to come and offer a final sacrifice to finally deal once and for all with the sin of the human race. We're waiting for that one to come to usher in God's resurrection life. And we know that Jesus has come to fulfill that great longing and that promise that God made so long ago when he was sending Adam and Eve from the garden, that one would come to crush the serpent's head. And that's what we celebrate at Christmas, is the arrival of the one who comes and makes his dwelling with us. And so the implications for us this morning is it's very simple to remember God does indeed love you. He wants to dwell with you. In fact, think of it this way. You are made to know and experience the glory of God. You are made for that. But we're sinful, and we're called to repent of that sin and to come into faith with God. We're made for new life, and that's made possible through Jesus, who becomes our great high priest. And when we come to Jesus and accept him as our Lord and Savior, as the one who died for our sins and the sins of the whole world, he gives us that salvation life. Whoever calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. And if we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive us and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. When it came time for me to carry that couch, I was called to it. It was a work I was made for. I didn't necessarily do it very well. I mean, I did get it in the truck by the end. But I was called to that couch. I had a task set before me. And so with each of you, there is a calling on each of us when we come to Christ to act as God's image bearers in the world, to be like priests. And that means displaying the character of God to the world and then pointing people to God through our words and our actions. And we're not called to carry a couch. Well, you might be probably not every day. You're not called to carry a couch and you're not called to carry an ark, but you are called to carry the life and hope of Jesus into wherever he, he plants you, wherever he puts you, whether that's in your workplace or in your school or in your marriage or in your caring for a loved one. We are his image-bearing priests. And if you're a Christian this morning, take heart that there is indeed a plan and purpose for your life, and sometimes we wonder about the specifics of that. But even if you're not sure specifically what that looks like, you can take heart in this, this general sense of vocational calling, that you can carry out the priestly work of loving others as you go about your life, bringing God's presence, carrying God's presence and his love and his hope into the situations around us. And that's why I asked this morning, what are you carrying? Because before we can really carry God's presence and hope into the lives of others around us, I think we first need to 
put down what a lot of us are carrying, which is our own sin or our own worries. Or for some of us, it's a sense of guilt and shame about the past. We need to put those things down and let Jesus carry that so we can carry God's love and grace into the world. And so this morning, I want us to pray together and I invite you to lay down your burdens and take up and carry instead the joy and life of our calling in Christ because he's carried your sins and your sorrows so you don't have to anymore. And he rose again so that you could be free to live the life of abundance and grace, knowing that he'll come again at such a time as he renews us all. So let's pray to that end, that God would come and we would be reminded again of of the calling we have to carry his love and his life into the world. And perhaps this morning you're here and you're carrying a burden that is hard and difficult and you need to lay that down. I'll invite you to do that as well. Let's pray together. Lord, we thank you again for your word and we thank you for the beauty of this imagery of priests and temple, of ark, all pointing, Lord, to this reality that you love people, that you call us to life with you. You call us also, Lord, to to be honest about our own sinfulness and our own brokenness. Not that we dwell in a place of thinking constantly we're not good enough, but that we would acknowledge honestly our need for you. And so, Jesus, this morning, I pray that if there's any here who have never given their life to you, or perhaps this morning they feel a need to just come again and confess uh, that, Lord, uh, we would lay down our burdens at the cross. Lord, that we would give you the brokenness in our hearts. Jesus, that you would come as Lord and Savior and enter into our lives. Lord, where we are carrying past hurt or unforgiveness or guilt or shame, Lord, would you take that burden We lay it down this morning. And we pray instead, Lord, that you would uh, give us the gift of carrying your grace and your life into a world that needs you. And Lord, some of us have really difficult situations where you've put us. Some of of us, our workplace is really hard. For some of us, school is really hard. It's just difficult, difficult people to be around. Lord, I pray that... uh, as you commission us as your priests to bring your love and your life into this world, Lord, you would also go before us, that you would protect us, that you would give us opportunities, Lord, uh, to bring the truth of your grace to bear, to call others to lay down their burdens uh, and to follow you. So, Lord, this morning, even as we enjoy meal together and the presence of one another, Lord, may we also be reminded uh, that this too points to your great love, that you come to dwell with us. We think of Jesus and how many times, Lord, you've come and eat with people. So as we gather around food today and celebrate you, uh, Lord, would you encourage us and fill our hearts again with your grace and your hope. And we thank you for all uh, that's been prepared for us, and we thank you for those that are working downstairs to make all the details work out. 
Jesus, you ask us, what are we carrying? And today we say we want to carry the hope and love that you've given us. So would you come, Lord, and fill us afresh with your spirit that we may live that out for you today. We ask this in your name. Amen. Amen.